G'day guys, CB here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Chewing the Fat. Today, JY and I answered your questions. This episode was entirely Q&A. We spoke about some awesome topics and we thank all our listeners for getting involved. We'd like to welcome a new sponsor on board, Three Point Supplements. If you're in need of some high quality science-backed supplements, head to Three Point Supplements. They've got the best tasting protein that I've ever had and I do not say that lightly. They've got creatine, they've got pre-workout, they've got more products coming along. And as a Chewing the Fat listener, you are entitled to 10% off at checkout. Use the code CTF10 at threepointsupplements.com.au for all your supplement needs. Um, hope you enjoy the episode, guys. Like and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't done already. Um, let's go. afternoon and evening wherever you're listening to the podcast this is chewing the fat i'm jy joined by cb as per usual except for the last episode cb how have you been since i last saw you mate i've been really well jy i appreciate you taking the reins for the last episode to be honest i thought i wouldn't see you here this morning given we're recording two days after the bulldogs unfortunate loss in the grand final to the mighty demons how are you traveling mate Mate, um, all I'm going to say is that we are very, very pleased for a good mate of the podcast, Pencil. Um, he is what's getting me through here. Another good mate of mine, Will O'Brien. All you Demon supporters out there, congratulations. Humble pie has had to be eaten. I was a confident man before uh, Saturday night, and there's not much I can say other than that Petrarca kid's pretty good. He goes all right, doesn't he, the track? Um, yeah, congratulations to, obviously, friend of the podcast, Brent Engelson. We had a great chat with him on an earlier episode of this season, so go back and listen to that. I've been getting some uh, some some really, really cool photos and videos from uh, from Pencil over the last couple of days enjoying the celebrations. Um, and, mate, I, I do completely understand how you're feeling. I was in your position losing your granny 12 months earlier. Um, it's not much easier losing a prelim, mate, so, um, yeah. It definitely doesn't hurt as much as I thought it would. I... Um, I have been there for some dark prelims when I was a bit younger and um, I shed some tears after we lost to the uh, Saints in 2010 but yeah losing grand final it's a very 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 surreal feeling just like winning one is and I don't think it'll sink in um, but here's to 2022 and hopefully I'll at least get to see my team in person in a grand final so yeah if there's ever a granny to lose I think well you'd rather lose 2020 and 2021 wouldn't you when you can't actually celebrate with your family and friends and be there in person exactly so right we'll put that down for the cats and the doggies losses mate it's a uh, good year to lose eh? next year it'll be us up there in uh in really exciting news now we spoke about all through season one that we must have we assume we had sponsors lining up to sponsor us and we just didn't get around to checking the uh the email inbox well we finally actually checked the inbox and we do have a sponsor. So we'd one love, come through. We'd love to welcome on board Three Point Supplements. Now, Three Point Supplements, um, yeah, they've been fans of the show for a little while and they're coming on board officially to sponsor us. Now, I do not say this lightly and I do not say this because um, obviously they're our sponsors, but the protein from Three Point Supplements is honestly the most delicious protein I've ever tasted by an absolute street. So I'm stoked to have them on board. It's not even competition. And uh, yeah, like you said, I would not lie about that. There's uh, 
there's absolutely no uh, no better quality than I've had. So, so shout out to Three Point Supplements. They've got the whey protein isolate, whey protein concentrate. They've got creatine. They've got pre-workout. They've got a bunch of other um, supplements in the mix. And as Chewing the Fat listeners, you are entitled to 10% off with the code CTF10. So on checkout at threepointsupplements.com.au, CTF10 for 10% off all of your supplement needs. Um, yeah, super excited to, to build this relationship going forward. Brilliant. And uh, it's about time, might I say. We have been joking about it for a while. So feels good to be uh, sponsored. This is my first ever sponsorship. I don't know about you, Chris. Surely back at uh, Barry Panola, you had a player sponsor or something like that. Oh, yeah. Player sponsors are just, are just lining up to sponsor a, a crappy back pocket. Of the yeah, two, you should have checked your inbox back then, surely. <laughs> oh, um, in good news, though, well, further good news, today we are doing a Q&A. So... We put out the uh, questions on Instagram or we put out the prompt on Instagram to get some questions from you guys um, that we can answer today. So Chris and I have sat down, we've gone through the best ones and today we are going to chew the fat together and uh, answer the most important questions of all. And we've had a huge response. Like I actually couldn't believe the amount of questions we've got. Um, yeah, so. Insane, like absolutely incredible. I, uh, to get into it. Thanks to the listeners for, for being a part of this. Um, yeah, let's go. Fantastic. So. Chris, first of all, um, good friend of the podcast again, Pat Chirico. He has asked us, he's actually physically asked us, what has inspired your journey into physiotherapy, Chris? Um, I, I'm, I'm honestly like still buzzing off the episode with Pat. That was yep. brilliant. Like yep. He's just an absolute guru. He's absolutely me, man. Um, my journey into physio, I think I might have answered this on a, an episode in, in season one. It feels like a lifetime ago now, but I, um, it's probably not the greatest story. I sort of fell into it too, a little bit, to be honest. I um, Coming out of year 12, I was looking at doing sports management and exercise science type courses and honestly just didn't think I was intelligent enough to, to get into something like physio and sat down with a careers counsellor uh, one day. Shout out to David Rosella at St. Perthes College if you're listening. Um, and basically told him, I think he had about 12 preferences on that you could put in for, for VCE in year 12. And I only had about four. And there were two exercise science courses and two sports management courses. And I said to him, am I stupid for not filling out these preferences? And he goes, well, why don't you have more? I said, well, because apart from these, I don't want to do anything else. And anything that's above them, I just don't think I'm going to get into. Essentially, he goes, mate, just have a look at the book. Chuck in your dream course at the top you think you're never going to get into. And just try to flesh out one or two more courses. And... I opened the book and I'd been to the physio a bunch of times as a teenager and I thought, geez, this is really bloody cool. They're, you know, fixing people with, with sporting injuries and, um, you know, it just, just looks like a grass job. And, um, yeah, essentially the, the score associated with it just, yeah, blew my mind. And I just thought it was never realistic. But within that five minutes looking through the, uh, yeah, the course selection book after this, uh, this date with the careers counsellor, I just whacked at the top of my preferences and thought, well, it doesn't matter because I'm never going to get in. And, Surprised myself a few months later and, and somehow managed to, to get a, to get an offer. Um, I then spent two weeks weighing it up and actually doing a bit of research and seeing if this was for me because I didn't actually probably take it too seriously before that time. And over that next fortnight, I decided that, yeah, look, let's give it a crack. This sounds like a really good career. Um, and I'm super, super lucky that I stuck with it. Um, yeah, graduated from Tribe Uni back in 2013 and um, I've been working ever since. And, and honestly, it yeah, sounds a bit cliche, but I, I do love my job and it's it's genuinely cool to be in a position where I'm self-employed, I'm looking after myself and I'm looking after my own clients and it's, it is honestly rewarding to be able to help people every day for a living. So um, yeah, probably not the best story. I sort of fell into it a bit, but I'm very, very grateful that I did. Uh, every time you say the story though, it's awesome. You can hear the passion in your voice and it's, uh, yeah, that's the Chris Bryson CV Physio origin story. Next question, Dan Gillen. Um, good uh, good friend of mine and my business. He's a physiotherapist as well. And this one's probably more for you, JY. Should sumo be its own lift category? 
discussed. Now, just for the listeners, this is referring to powerlifting. Powerlifting being a sport made up of the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. And as far as a deadlift goes, you can lift with a conventional deadlift or a sumo deadlift, which are different lifts. The conventional, where you've got your arms on the outside of your legs, and the sumo, where you've got your arms on the inside of your legs, essentially. Um, so yeah, JY, you're the powerlifter out of the two of us, mate. Should it be its own lift category, the sumo deadlift? You say that every time, but I still think if you were to give it a crack, you'd be the better powerlifter. So I'm just putting that on the record. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, great question. It's actually a really good question. It's something that's actually getting a bit of traction at the moment throughout a few different uh, powerlifting circles. Um, the sumo deadlift is technically is found to be technically easier than a conventional deadlift just due to the position of the feet and the arms like you said your feet are outside your shoulders a little bit wider almost like a sumo wrestler crouching down and your arms are on the inside of your knees to get into that position it requires a little bit more uh, a little bit less effort sorry than the, the traditional conventional deadlift that you'll see um which is why a lot of people are saying that if you're a sumo lifter it's actually technically cheating it's this whole like you know purist thing going on um, amongst the conventional circles. But look, I, I am going to go out and say no, I don't think that it should be its own lift um, due to the fact that like everything, I think that uh, we don't want to try to fit square pegs into round holes. Some people struggle to conventionally deadlift and some people actually also struggle to sumo deadlift. So when you're deadlifting, and this is for all those gym goers out there, pick the variation that fits your biomechanics. And what I mean by that is if you've got longer arms, shorter legs, um, a longer torso, different variations of deadlift are going to suit you in different foot positions. There's not one size fits all. So if being able to sumo deadlift means you can be a successful powerlifter, well, then that's fantastic. And that's why sumo deadlifting variations are there. If you're uh, someone who suits a conventional deadlift, You'll obviously probably have a fair few more friends in the purist circle, but it doesn't really matter what position it is so long as you lift that weight technically correct. And I also say in the gym, let's take a step back away from powerlifting for a second. I often find that sumos are a really nice way to get general people lifting. I think that um, I use them almost to counteract that question. I use them as their own lift for some beginner lifters because... It's a little bit more fun and exciting to technically sumo deadlift um, correctly than trying to push yourself into the more difficult conventional deadlift. Obviously, some people are the other way around, but um, when I uh, yeah when I have someone who comes to me fresh wanting to deadlift, work out which one's better. We will call it a sumo deadlift or a conventional deadlift rather than just a deadlift, and you know they might later on do the other. So technically, that is a you know separate lift, but. It all depends on, you know, again, what, who the person is and what fits them best. So I hope I answered that question all right. Um, Love it. That was a pretty in-depth one for a good question. So thanks for that, Dan. Legend. Um, Jackie Walsh. So Jackie Walsh has messaged in and she's asked, a physio sponsored by Voltaren? Because she is a pharmacist and she swears that every second Voltaren request is because it was recommended by their physio. She's genuinely always wondered though, and not the sponsoring part, just why Voltaren? Um, yeah, thanks, Jackie. We're, well, I'm not sponsored by Voltaren. Um, maybe, maybe some physios are, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll check the inbox later on if they want to sponsor the podcast yep. or then we can get right behind them. Out chewing the fat underscore podcast. <laughs> Please get around us on Instagram. Um, no, I I don't believe, um, yeah, as a general rule, physios are sponsored by Voltaren. I know that's a bit tongue in cheek. Um, as part of the yeah, being a pharmacist and every second recommendation, um, by physios for the product. Now, I mean, 
Voltaren is an anti-inflammatory, as you're well aware, Jackie, and just for our listeners, oh, there are certain conditions that are inflammatory of nature that I will recommend to my clients that they do take a course of anti-inflammatories to help with their recovery and help with their rehabilitation. Um, I always advise that they take this um, in sort of correspondence with their GP and their pharmacist to make sure that you know there's no um, contraindications or adverse health risks based on other medications that they're taking or, or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it is probably only a small small percentage of my clients that I'll be recommending anti-inflammatory medication. And even then, I wouldn't necessarily say that they pick Voltaren over Nurofen or just a home brand ibuprofen or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I would always recommend they speak to their pharmacist. So yeah, might have to ask the physios that are working around your clinic, Jackie, as to yeah what what their opinion on that is. Um, but yeah, if they want to sponsor us, please get it. That touch. would be great. It's funny though, like often if you get a headache or if someone's got a headache, it'll be, I'll just go take a Voltaren or go take, you know, no, sorry, let's go take a new, oh God, that's Nurofen. But often we use Nurofen and Voltaren like they are the actual, um, you know, that rather than them being a brand, mm. we mention them as the actual product itself. Yeah, exactly right. And like Kleenex is a tissue. Exactly. 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 And it's yeah. uh, but you know what though? Like that little bit of taste, that little bit of sweet taste that you get from a Voltaren or a Newfin with that shiny tablet, like it's actually delicious. Yeah, it's it's like it. a home brand ibuprofen or tocopenac yeah, or whatever. Saying, yeah. There's something about it. Yeah. But um You know what else gives you a sweet taste? What's that? Three PS protein. Oh absolutely best in the business. CTF ten for ten percent off. Um thanks Jackie. Next question we've got from Sammy D. Um, Sammy asks, is it bad for your training routine to consume a delicious block of Top Deck every week? I assume Sammy's referring to Top Deck chocolate. Yes. Combination of the, the milk chocolate and the white chocolate. JY? Yes. Is it um, bad for your training? Well, first of all, um, like Top Deck sucks. So, <laughs> Whoa. controversial opinion, but Top Deck sucks. <laughs> so, you've already yeah it's already one strike just for asking that question but uh to sammy so thanks very much for your question sammy um is it bad for your training routine um absolutely not like every well everything's in context but i'm gonna go on a pretty general limb and say no um if you're consuming 10 blocks of top deck before every training session we might throw up during it but if you're talking about just you know having a deck chomping away at it over the week after dinner or something like that it's not going to affect your training at all you might obviously want to look at your diet as a whole and you know we are quite big components of the old calories calories in calories out uh, on chewing the fat here and if that's putting you over and you're eating too much and your goal is to lose weight body fat well obviously as we all know that's not going to be ideal but in a moderated diet there's nothing wrong with having a block of chocolate I'd uh, definitely recommend swapping that out though for uh, the honeycomb Malteser block. Um, easily, easily the best block of chocolate you'll get. Um, I'm also a big fan of old gold, so a lot of people say that my opinion doesn't matter at all because of that. I was like open to that. What was it? Honeycomb, honeycomb Malteser. I was open to that until you said old gold, and now I don't trust <laughs> you at all. Old gold? Are you kidding? I love dark chocolate, and old gold is always like two bucks at Woolies. So can we all just agree that caramel is the best? And move on. Nah, I, white chocolate just doesn't do it for me. Like it, like it's it's not the same. There's a there is one caramel variation. I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head because obviously it's not that good, but it's better than the others. I think it might be the Kit Kat one. Uh, is it caramel Kit Kats? Or I don't know. Traditional. Something like that. Yeah, well, obviously your, uh, your opinion doesn't really matter then on this uh, chocolate debate. So thanks, Sammy. You and Chris can both go and 
Duke that one out. Well, what we do know is the most delicious form of chocolate is the whey protein. Isolate from three-point supplements chocolate flavour. Best in the business. Can't argue with that, Chris. All right. Um, all right. So Abby has asked, if you're unfit and plan to have kids, when and what should you focus on as a priority? So, Chris, take it away. Abby with about four or five, five wires there on the end of Abby. Thanks, Abby, for your question. Um, if you're unfit and plan to have kids, yeah. So, I mean... This is uh, it's a bit of an interesting subject because the fitter and healthier and stronger your body is going into pregnancy, the, probably the better you're going to be able to handle that pregnancy. And pregnancy, there's lots of different changes that go through your body, and um, you, it's it's one where you know there's probably a lot of myths and and misconceptions around exercising during pregnancy as well. And this is something that we're uh, we're probably looking to have a, an entire podcast on potentially with a women's health physio going forward. Um, but essentially, the guidelines for exercising during pregnancy are probably the most important consideration here. And essentially, when you're pregnant, um, we don't want to be increasing our exercise loads or volumes or intensities too much compared to pre-pregnancy levels. However, the higher pre-pregnancy levels are, the more we're going to be able to maintain during pregnancy. So in a roundabout way, you should get as fit and as healthy as you possibly can prior to being pregnant because during your pregnancy, that's going to allow you to maintain a greater level of physical activity, which means you're going to have less aches, less pains, have a greater physical function um, and get through it a hell of a lot better and, re- and recover and bounce back from actually having kids a hell of a lot better. Okay, so look, as far as specific things, um, there's lots of changes around your pelvis and your hips and your lower back and your core and your abdominal muscles during pregnancy when you have kids. So as a very general recommendation, I'd say get your core really, really strong, um, get your hips and your glutes really, really strong, get your pelvic floor really, really strong, but most importantly, just move, get into a regular exercise routine and maintain that up until um, you, yeah, really trying to having kids. So then you can be as fit as you possibly can during your pregnancy to get through that better and you'll bounce back quicker afterwards um if you're unsure always consult with the physio and probably more specifically a women's health physiotherapist as well mate what an answer and i just want to also mention like i think strength training especially is just it's so important for every human on this planet but i think uh pregnancy doesn't that shouldn't deter you from continuing your strength training and a lot of um a lot of people there are there are that sort of you know that nervous consensus that they um they're risky it's risky to strength train whilst they are pregnant and yeah most most qualified professionals will be able to guide you along a lot better and i think that the benefits far outweigh the negatives yeah absolutely no risks of of harming the baby or any further complications with exercising during pregnancy provided it's essentially matching your pre pregnancy yep, levels so exactly. um that's the key next question it's probably for both of us jy but this is from melanie dalrymple um how do you separate work life balance being a sole trader and how do you in quotation marks clock off um, mel thanks mel maybe related to the great simon dalrymple who uh set the bulldogs back a fair few years um list manager perhaps head recruiter um Great question. Yeah. Um, do you want me to go first? Yes, you can start on that. Um, work-life balance is something that I think when I was a little bit younger, I always struggled with. Um, I like my downtime, um, potentially a little bit too much. And one thing I found as I started to, um, you know, maneuver into the uh, solo trading um, myself, I struggled to then find the, uh, the actual life balance. I was all work, 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 because it was basically, you know, an income that required me to work. So um, how do I clock off? Um, I've learned to actually schedule time. Um, One thing I think that a lot of people are struggling with, especially in lockdowns here in Victoria, which we are still struggling through, um, 
we've just broken the record as well, Chris. So congratulations to everyone getting through it. It's uh, it's been a fun ride, hasn't it? What's the record, mate? The most days in lockdown of any yeah, city in Melbourne. Yeah, great. something. Yeah. So thanks. We thanks all get that. a medal, I'm sure. So you know, D's medal doesn't look as good now. Um, but. Our routine has gone out the window a little bit with lockdowns um, and I find that being able to keep on top of a consistent routine um, allows me to um, schedule the time to actually enjoy myself. Um, I also find that I do use, um, it's got a lot of different names for it, but I call it like the five minute rule. So generally in intervals of five, I'll work and rest um, when I'm not actually physically at work or in like a, you know, a morning work phase. So when I'm not scheduling, you know, an hour, I might schedule an hour for admin or something like that, or I'll be taking clients or business development, whatever it might be. Um, I'll also have little blocks of these five minute intervals of, you know, it might be getting through one task that I have to, and then having five minutes on the clock to sort of, you know, um, speak on social media, to talk to people, to do that. And I find just structuring like that doesn't make me feel like I'm always working or always playing. Um, or else I can go down rabbit holes of, you know, looking at social media and things like that. Um, and it means that later on in the day, actually clocking off feels like clocking off. Um, it's not as structured. It's, you know, obviously once everything has been done or once I've, you know, reached, normally it's about 6.30, 7 o'clock. Um, but on the weekends, yeah, same sort of thing. I always try to um, put the phone away as much as I can. Um, as well, and the weekends are a big part of that. I obviously have different channels that I'm accessible to through clients. So I, um, I'm a big WhatsApper um, with my clients. Um, I try not to do text messages or Facebook messages. Um, and then that allows me to turn my WhatsApp off um, in, the, in the settings during certain times when I do actually want to clock off. Sometimes, and I'm sure Chris, you probably would agree with this, when you're getting messages and emails and things like that coming through, sometimes just that urge to kind of reply to that or answer that it means you don't actually feel like you do get time to clock off so that has worked really well for me and um you know i would advise a lot of other trainers um, and people in our industry to do the same because unless something is incredibly urgent your uh your client can probably wait and they will give you a call or you know, they'll, they'll get onto you if it is urgent. Most of the time it's not that big. So that allows me to switch off and actually spend some time uh, with myself, friends and uh, family. So I, um, I've always really valued having a work-life balance. And for me, it has, you know, it probably seems a bit silly, but, but structuring your, your life around side your work is really important. And having hobbies and interests and activities that you can actually physically structure means that they're just going to happen. It's like if you've got a shift at work, you're going to rock up to at a specific time. Well, of course, if you've got a client you've got to see at a specific time, we're going to do that. Um, if you don't have the hobbies and interests outside of work, you know, in a specific structure, then it's, it's probably going to be hard to maintain that balance and we can easily find ourselves as, as sole traders in this trap of just working and working and working and working. Um, for me, it's, it's always been probably local sport is, is one. You know, we've got training and games on the weekend and all the social aspects that go with that. Um, scheduling time with family and friends is obviously massive and harder to do in lockdown, but prioritising that and, and during those times where you're just not going to work, obviously. Interesting to touch on what you spoke about around clients and, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, your clients want you to have work-life balance. They don't want you to be 24-7 serving them because um, they're people as well and they want you to be happy. And if we're constantly working, we're going to be burning out and we're not going to be able to provide as good a service to our clients as you know we, we would have otherwise. So I um, you know, I used to be in that mold where if I had a missed call or an email or a text message, I'd have to reply to it straight away. But now I'm you know, 
really, really comfortable just probably further on into my career to say, okay, this text message can wait from a client to reply if it's on a weekend until Monday morning or if it's late at night until the next morning or whatever the case may be. Um, and I, I think another one for me is actually we can always get overwhelmed with the amount of things that we've got to work on in a business as a sole trader. There's always 101 things on our to-do list. And even if there's not, there's things that we can be doing to work on the business and grow the business. For me, really planning out my business admin time is really important. So if there's 10 things I want to do, you know, it's easy to go, oh my God, I've got 10 things I want to do. Let's stay up all night today and, and get them done. Or let's work all day on a Sunday and get them done. But if I actually schedule them for an hour on a Thursday or a Friday or whatever the case may be, if they're scheduled in my diary, those things that I need to do for my work, well, I know that they're going to get done at that time, so I don't have to stress tonight or today or whatever on actually doing them because I know there's time dedicated in the future to do them. So really good planning, I think, um, within your work life as well is important. And if you can do that, I think, um, yeah, it should be easy enough theoretically to clock off. It's a good point, and I also think that... Um Generally, if your life balance is in check, it's a lot easier to get your work balance in check. I think a lot of people who overwork their life or don't have that balance, their life suffers more than the other way around. And I'm talking like, you know, like I said, putting the phone away or, you know, like you said, hobbies, giving yourself the time to focus on yourself. I think then you work better and you find that you're more thankful for work. I, you know, personally would, if I overworked, I'd then end up resenting the work. That I'd continue to work and then it just meant I wasn't just doing the good job that I wanted to do and that my clients deserved um, and that's why like you know you also touched on your clients do want you to have a life so that you can continue to serve them in the best possible way you know no one wants a grumpy physio and you know no one wants a PT that you know is also grumpy and doesn't really give a shit so mm. great point really good um, point beauty test 89 um wrote in and said, how can mindset, brackets including anxiety, impact training results, and how do you improve mindset? Um, I'll let you start. That's probably one we can both touch yeah, on a bit. Again, um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, we have had a few podcasts in the past that we have touched on uh, mindfulness, and um, I think going back to Pat's question, uh, Pat's question, Pat's podcast is a big, um, yeah, that's a big flag for us for the uh, mindfulness train. Um, when it comes to anxiety, a lot of people, I believe when it, when, you know, we move into train, they put pressure on themselves. Um, and I think pressure comparison, um, and general stress makes it a lot more difficult to, you know, I guess, um, perform in the gym. And even, you know, you see a lot of people out there who train for aesthetic goals and things like that. They end up, um, worrying more about, themselves and their own composition than the training itself um and that just leads to what i'd call a negative training environment um so what i often encourage people to do when it comes to improving their mindset around training is to set goals that are related to performance um so practicing mindfulness meditation all these things obviously we've been into that and that's something that we've discussed previously but the actual um yeah, the actual art of sitting down and separating your, um, sorry, my doorbell's ringing in case anybody can hear that and I'm getting distracted by it. But um, if you're, um, yeah, if you're able to set aside performance goals, it's a lot easier to go in the gym with an objective and not be worrying about all the noise surrounding you. Um, I think that, you know, anxiety as well, which has been, which Tess actually mentioned, um, can increase the stress surrounding going to the gym and anxiety can be caused by a number of different reasons. 
Um, you could potentially look at, I guess, the, um, you know, other people in the gym. You could look at, you know, the stress surrounding your training itself. But being able to breathe, to relax, to actually go into the gym objectively and in a positive mind frame um, will lead to better long-term results because consistency is the goal. And if you can continue to train, I think that, um, yeah, I think that you'll that it'll sort of compound from there. So not not the world's best answer from me, but Chris, I'm sure you can yeah, I, jump I mean, in there. From my point of view, I think it's just really important that, you know, if you're training, then you've got to plan for your physical health, right? Generally, you're training, you're working with a personal trainer or you're following some sort of program. Um, this is a, almost a plan for your physical health. Well, mindset is a, a component of your mental health, so we need to have a plan for that, and that's just as important, if not more important. Yet so many people have a physical health plan. They've got an exercise routine, but they don't have a mental health plan. They don't have positive, positive mental health strategies that they put in place. They don't have a, a routine to help with their psychology and their mindset. So I think just having some sort of plan in place and we won't delve into that, but we've spoken about things like gratitude and empathy and mindfulness and meditation and you know different different things that you can be doing um, to have a positive impact on your mental health. Um, I think that's really important, just having a plan in place, and that's going to look different for every single person. Um, and last of all, speak to a professional, reach out to a psychologist, mm. to a counsellor. Most important. Um, yeah, that's definitely. the most important one. You know, we can give you general advice, and it's something we're passionate about. But reach out to an expert. Um, you know, if you're as I said, if you've got a training plan and you're seeing a personal trainer, well, that's the obvious thing. If you're sick, you go to a doctor. Um, you know, if you're injured, hopefully you come to a physio. If you're, if you're struggling with your mindset and anxiety, go and speak to a psychologist, speak to a professional and, uh, and make sure you've got, yeah, a, a, you know, a really good team um, in your corner of healthcare professionals that can, yeah, guide you going forward and, and, and come up with a plan that's individualized to yourself. Nice. Nice. Killed it. All right. Um, so this come from Anonymous. Um so Anonymous's friends and them have experienced incontinence when exercising. Uh, is this normal, Chris? Um, cool. This is a really, really good question. I'm glad we, we got this question. Um, I can probably answer this in a couple of ways. Now, incontinence with exercise, um, I want to say yes, it is normal. Okay? What is incontinence? For now, listeners, incontinence, in incontinence is when you involuntarily need to go to the toilet when you're exercising. You cannot hold it. Okay, now I want to say yes, it is normal. Um, first of all, because it is something that needs to be spoken about, and it's great that um, this person obviously they've choose they've chosen to remain anonymous. But it's great that they've asked this question. It is a normal thing that a lot of people experience, and is far, 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 far more common than anyone would think about because we don't talk about it. People are embarrassed, and I understand why that may be the case. There's a stigma associated with it, um, and it is a normal thing. It's a normal part of society, and it needs to be spoken about. Okay, so I want to I want to normalise it and have this conversation. It's brilliant that this person is. Um, has offered this question up because it is very, very, very common um, and it's something that we need to talk about and normalize essentially, okay? But at the very same time, um, I'm going to also say somewhat contradictingly, contradictingly, is that a word? Yeah, contradicting yourself, let's just go with that. Anyway, um, <laughs> I also want to say at the same time that it is not normal and I say that because it is something that we don't need to live with, it is something that we can improve okay it is not normal to experience incontinence and to have to suffer with this we can improve this and there is an overwhelming amount of research and evidence that tells us that pelvic floor muscle training building up building up the strength in our pelvic floor muscles which are the ones that literally underlie our pelvis and hold our bladder in um, is amazing and excellent and highly beneficial for treating incontinence and will get you excellent excellent results okay so it's a normal and common thing to experience but it is not a normal thing that we need to put up with if that makes sense okay I, 
hope that resonates with people a little bit. Mm. Um, if you are suffering from incontinence, my first advice is to speak to a health professional. Um, speak to someone, you know. Uh, Talk to your family and your friends about it and don't be afraid of it because then hopefully that's going to you know, motivate them to have more conversations with other people around incontinence and do something about it. Um, if you're not okay with speaking to your family and friends, then fine. Go and speak to either a doctor or probably even more specifically a women's health physiotherapist who can help you with a pelvic floor muscle training program to fix your incontinence because it is not something that you need to live with. Mm. Perfect. Really, really good. Cool. Um, Taylor D. Um, Taylor asked probably for you, JY. Taylor Jaraya. Taylor Jaraya, maybe. Um, although he's, he's probably still hung over after. Dr. Jaraya. After. Um, keeping Cozzy yeah. Pickett to three touches. Keeping Cozzy Pickett to three touches, but Cozzy's got the medal, doesn't he? Um, no, I'd rather be. Shout out to Taylor Jaraya, big fan of the show. Although I don't think this is actually Taylor Jaraya. Maybe it is. Um, Taylor <laughs> D. Why, why do people have bare feet or flat shoes when lifting? Um, I mean, lifting weights. Are runners better support? Uh, great question. Um, why do people have bare feet or flat shoes when lifting? Well, uh, generally it depends on what lift they're performing. So all different types of shoes have different levels of heel and elevation in the foot. Some have different, uh, you know, bases of support. Um, you know, you've got people with orthotics, things like that, and they're runners. When we train, when we perform um, specific exercises, we want to be as neutrally footed as possible. So when we, you know, let's say deadlift or do a, um, you know, a Romanian deadlift, for example, you want to be able to feel the floor under your foot. You want to have it even across the three points of the foot. So you've got your toe, you've got your heel, and then you've got the middle, okay? And what often happens with people who wear things like runners or Nikes or Adidas is that the heel in it is artificial, so it often can put you in both an unsupported position, but generally we find you also end up being a little bit more on your toes. Um, and when you're performing these exercises, so for example, the deadlift, you wanna be able to feel your hamstrings, okay? And you wanna be able to make sure that the hamstrings are doing the work, but if you're on your toes, that might impact things you know, a little bit. If you're deadlifting, you wanna be as you know, flat-footed as possible, and if you're on your toes, well, obviously it's gonna be a lot harder to you know, lift the bar using your posterior. It's, it, it's very, 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 minor in the grand scheme of things for general gym goers but for someone who wants to put extra kilos in the bar or really wants to make sure that they are performing an exercise technically correct being neutrally footed is crucial on the other side of things um runners might have better support depending obviously on the runners themselves so obviously not like you know nike at 270 zooms um which have probably the worst support and i've got a pair um you you know if you're performing I guess, high intensity exercises and things like that. Well, yeah, you probably do want to have a level of support in your runner. You know, it's not as crucial to be super flat footed and neutral, but I guess it's all depending on, you know, where the person's strengths lie again. Um, some people like, or sorry, not their strengths, their preferences. Some people like being barefooted when they train because they can actually feel those three points I was talking about. Um, three points, three point supplements, <laughs> best tasting chocolate protein in the business. Um, for a segue. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, well done, JY. Um, <laughs> and on top of that as well, yeah, things like squat shoes for people who um, are squatting, often seen more in powerlifting circles, but um, and weightlifting circles, but they um, put you um, in an elevated heel position, which we know is easier to squat from um, due to taking out um, the mobility in the ankle, which a lot of people struggle with. Um, 
um, going around circles here, but um, yeah, the, the flat shoes as well that you'll see people deadlift with, it's exactly that reason. You need to be um, yeah, as neutral as possible to perform the lift in the most technically efficient way possible. But yeah, for the general person, um, it's, you know, again, it depends what their goals are um, and how much money they have as well. I think if you're lifting weights, you know, you don't necessarily need supportive runners. Um, it's going to come down to two things. It's going to come down to comfort levels. If you're not experiencing any discomfort or pain and your function is, you know, basically meaning you're doing everything you want to be doing, well, yeah. then your full weight's fine. If you're right? squatting, yeah, that's a great point. If you're squatting, you know, to depth and, you know, your squats look exactly how you want them to look and feel, well, you know, adding in a squat shoe over a normal runner that you have, like, like runners perform the same their their shoes okay i guess it just depends on the person themselves it's and once again if you're experiencing pain or discomfort or your function is not the level you want it to be um speak to a health professional and get some individual advice cb physio just another one come on mate you gotta shout yourself out more you're uh, the best in the business um next question uh question from a guy by the name of jack noodles I wonder if that's his last name is noodles an actual last name is that nickname jack noodles i know a dog called noodles (laughs) um well name Name, wait, name, no, sorry, oh, I'm reading the wrong bit. Jack Noodle says, if you could be any living person for a day, who would you choose? Oh, Chris, start it off. Come on, mate. Um, I haven't prepared this one too well. Oh. I'm sort of, I'm split between, like, as a very, very, very um, fanatic sports lover for my whole life, but a very, very, very poor athlete. I would love to be a professional athlete for a day. If I could be Steve Smith and, you know, fidgeting at the crease, you know, flicking me pads around, um... And then smacking fours and sixes and, you know, batting all day in an Ashes test and, and making 100 at the MCG, geez, that wouldn't be too bad. But at the same time, like, I've watched a few, like, music docos recently and to be, like, a famous, like, singer or rock star mm. or something like that on stage belting out some absolute classic mm. tunes in front of 100,000 people. Um, you know, I watched a bit of a doco on Queen the other day. Imagine being Freddie Mercury to, mm. on stage belting out some Queen classics or a Jimmy Barnes mm. or a Robbie Williams live at Nebworth to about 200,000 people. Like, that'd be, that'd be pretty insane, wouldn't it? That'd be unbelievable. Um, oh. Or any Geelong footballer of, of all time, of any time, I'd happily take. Hey, you, you're, you're on the ruin the question. Um, if I could be any living person for a day, well, wow. I'm a uh, probably yeah. The least surprising answer for me would be someone like David Beckham. I uh, I absolutely love Beck's. I think he's by far the coolest man on earth. There's not many people out there who don't like Beck's. You know, he's he's married to a Spice Girl, like. Come on, like he's he's elite. Like back in the nineties, that's that's top of it. That's top of the food chain. It's good at his craft. He's just a you know a weapon, good looking bloke, everything, and uh, he's pretty pretty well off as well. So nothing going to complain about someone like that. Um, uh, being a Melbourne supporter might also be another good person to be for a day. And if that day was Saturday on to Sunday, that would Only be if good. that day was the last three days, <laughs> not the last seven years. Oh, no, no. Well, that question was for a day, so, you know, there's... there's... Depends which day. Yeah, well, probably not today. They wouldn't be feeling too great listening to this podcast. For all the Melbourne supporters out there who are actually listening to this podcast, you know, go get uh, an ibuprofen, take a couple of those and, uh, and a power road and you'll be all right. Um, all right, so... Rushy, good mate of the podcast, good mate of the boys, big rush. He's asked, if you were a fashion icon, what fashion trend would you start? For me, 
pretty boring and simple, but I wear shorts all year round, and my clients often look at me and be like, why the hell are you in shorts and a t-shirt? It's the middle of the winter. Um, mm-hmm. So just, you know, make, being it socially acceptable to wear shorts everywhere, anywhere, whether it's, you know, out to pubs and clubs or, you know, formal occasions, weddings, funerals, whatever. Let's wear shorts. Let's bring it in. Yeah. Let's group pants. Fair enough. Shorts all, shorts all year round in any occasion for me. Fair enough. I don't reckon I've ever seen you in pants, so, and we've known each other for, for what we've come up to about seven years now so yeah very uh very rare to see the great cb in a pair of pants if i was to uh yeah if i was to start a fashion trend um it'd probably be crocs i'm really really getting into my crocs at the moment they've um yeah they've really changed my life so chris head in hands he's embarrassed for me but don't knock it till you try it because i used to be a bigger uh, non-believer in the old crocs and socks i used to think you look like a uh, a bit of a dillberry but at the end of the day, I reckon it radiates the biggest BDE you ever can. And I reckon if you're wearing Burks and socks, take a good hard look at yourself because you've got the wrong combination. It should be Crocs. Let's not elaborate on what BDE means for our listeners. Um, and let's also pretend that conversation never happened because Crocs are horrible and we're going to move right along. Wow. Um, final question for our Q&A episode. Jay Malloy, another big fan of the show, has asked Jay why. Source in the cupboard is 74.6% better for you than if it is in the fridge. Thoughts? I would love to see where that statistic has come from. That's a systematic review. They've compiled all the evidence from hundreds of randomised controlled trials um, that have been done over the last decade, and that's that's statistically correct. Source is seventy five percent better for you, more nutritious, mm. more nutritious. If it's in the cupboard, than it is in the fridge. So Chris, Chris is going to um, he's actually going to put a link up with the podcast to the reviews. So if anyone else is actually interested in reading them, yeah, um, it'll be there. So I can't wait to see that um, because. Well, unfortunately, that's some uh, comprehensible evidence to the uh, to the source and the cupboard argument. But you know what? Just because something might be proven to be correct doesn't mean that the people will get with it. And you know, we're all told that we shouldn't uh, stay up past our bedtimes and you know eat lots of lollies and things like that. And you know what? We still do it. So source goes in the fridge. Um, unfortunately, I think. Um, I reckon if we put a poll together, I mean, actually we haven't compiled the stats of our guests for season two and, and who's winning this debate. I think Fridge might be just ahead, but we've got at least one, if not a couple of guests. We're easily, we're easily beyond, like it's, there's no argument amongst our guests. It's in the Fridge. Like oh. it is so far ahead now. It's just ahead maybe, but we've got four. the evidence. This is systematic review. Fine, we'll, what we'll 4. do. 4.6%, thanks Jared. We're going to put a poll up today for the people. So make sure you uh, hit up our stories and, uh, give your answer because mm. thanks very very much for the you know dozen solve or, this dozen or so listeners of the chewing the fat for contributing to the q a today really really appreciate it. it's great to have you guys on board it's great to have the feedback um and the involvement from you guys um this source debate will be an ongoing debate but one thing is not up for debate is that three point supplements are the best in the business nice. um so once again to round off today use ctf 10 for 10 percent off all your protein creatine pre-workout needs with three point supplements um, thanks, Jay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm thinking of you over the next couple of days as we get over the Bulldogs loss. As I said, I was there only 12 months ago. I know what the feels are. Um, but yeah, it's been great with chilling the fat with you once again. CB, it always is an absolute pleasure. I love these episodes. We have some of the best guests coming on in the future, but I still always cherish every single moment that you and I spend together, just the two of us. So thank you for chewing the fat with me. And thank you to our listeners. See ya. Thank <laughs> you.